Hello everyone and welcome to the 25th episode of the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. Can you believe it? We made it to 25 episodes. Yeah, this feels like a big accomplishment and we're grateful for you, for your feedback and for being here and for listening and we we just... For sharing, for telling other people about it. It has been so fun to have that interaction, and uh, this has been really rewarding for us personally to um, study the scriptures in this way, and we just hope that um, you'll stick with us as we go through, and that you will learn with us, and hopefully we're getting better at this whole podcasting thing, because... It's 10.30 at night, not 11.30 at night when we normally start. Yeah, we're we're getting better. We are getting better. (laughs) Anyway, let's dive in, because this is an exciting block of scripture that we have. We are studying, this 25th episode will be Alma 17 through 26, and next episode will be Alma 17 through 26, but I'll let you can explain the, the fun part of this, I guess. But of course, we're not going to get started with our episode until we share our study teaching tip. And actually, this week, we are going to be um, coming in with a teaching tip. And maybe this is a good one, as we've talked about us kind of learning and growing in the podcast and kind of teaching in this way, which has been really interesting. Um, So the teaching tip for today is as you prepare you to teach, you will have a lot of thoughts, a lot of great content, a lot of awesome things that you want to share. And the fact of the matter is that you're never going to get through all of it as you teach. And... A lot of times you can't, I don't know, maybe you've experienced this where you have been in a lesson and, oh no, the lesson's over and you didn't share all of these deep thoughts of your heart that you had from that week. And I'm just, this teaching tip is a good one for me because this is really how I feel on the podcast. I feel like a lot of times my thoughts are huge and the only bits that you get to share are so small. It's kind of the idea of the phrase to cover something a mile wide and an inch deep is often the temptation in teaching, for example, in a gospel doctrine class or in a Sunday school class, you usually have double digits of chapters to teach, especially if you're doing Old Testament, sometimes you have a whole book to teach. And the temptation is to teach a mile wide and an inch deep, to cover everything and make sure that we covered all of the chapters. And sometimes, often, I think more powerful is the teacher that decides to quickly summarize the book or the 10 chapters they have to teach, but to spend a majority of the time really focusing in on one doctrine or one principle that they feel would be life-changing for their class or for their students. Yeah, and and maybe just realize that sometimes, especially with teaching, less is more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm learning this right now. Maybe that's why this is so applicable and why I feel like it's a great one. And then in applying this to your... Um, to your study is it's okay if you're studying tons of stuff um, and you're studying and getting great insights and maybe some of those are just for you or what I have found is as I'm studying for something very specific whether it's a lesson or whatever it is um, or a talk that maybe you won't get to share those things in that talk but they are now with you and they're a part of you and they'll come up in in conversation maybe or you'll remember this great point when you come across another scripture so the study even if you're studying a bunch of content um, you'll get to use it sometime 
All right. I want to start our study in this episode with a story from Elder Robert C. Oaks. It's one of my favorites. He says this, Consider that you are invited to a friend's house for breakfast. On the table, you see a large pitcher of freshly squeezed orange juice from which your host fills his glass, but he offers you none. Finally, you ask, could I have a glass of orange juice? He replies, oh, I'm sorry. I was afraid you might not like orange juice, and I didn't want to offend you by offering you something you didn't desire. Now that sounds absurd, but it is not too different from the way we hesitate to offer up something far sweeter than orange juice. It's kind of a ridiculous scenario, but the comparison is almost laughable because how often is that our exact reason for not sharing the gospel with someone? We don't want to offend them. We don't want to create awkwardness in a relationship. Religion is just something you don't talk about with other people. And yet, in the grand scheme of things, those all kind of tend to be pretty pathetic excuses. In fact, Elder Oaks ends his uh, this particular example by saying this, I have often worried how I would answer some friend about my hesitancy when I meet him beyond the veil. Ooh, and this reminds me of a story that um, I've heard Corinne Stoko. She is a fashion high-end deal blogger. Um, her her blog is called Mint Arrow. But I have loved, I feel like she kind of toes that that line that's kind of a little bit tricky between business and, you know, sharing your faith. But she does it so well. And her story is very similar to this one, where she had the thought come across her of like, of picturing herself in heaven and meeting all these people and them coming up to her and saying, you shared with me the best stroller deal and you shared with me what your favorite curling iron was. Why didn't you share this with me? Why didn't you share the Book of Mormon with me and these these teachings that you had? And that was really um, a game changer for her and just realizing that that was a piece of her that she wasn't opening up about that really didn't need to be awkward. She's sharing her favorite things. Why wouldn't that be part of it too? And I love, I love how she very gracefully does it. And I know that that's kind of a tricky thing to do, but... What a cool way to perspective to have. Yeah, it's a, it's, I don't know, I don't mean it to be a terrifying thought, but it kind of is to think when I get up to the spirit world and my friend, best friend from life comes up and hugs me and we reminisce for a bit and then turns to me and says, you knew about all this? I mean, you knew about the Book of Mormon and you knew about heaven and you knew about plan of salvation and you didn't tell me why? And if your answer is, well, I didn't want to offend you by talking about eternal happiness and the fact that you can be together with your family forever. It just sounds kind of silly. But as I've thought about it, and I've talked about this with a lot of people, the sense is we don't share the gospel as often as we know we could or know we should because we don't know how to do it without being awkward. There's some social nuance and pressure there that create barriers to us feeling comfortable sharing and sometimes to people feeling comfortable listening. And in this episode, our goal is to um, kind of create a, a member's guide to missionary work based on the experiences of Ammon and the other sons of Mosiah as they teach and preach to the Lamanites. And hopefully we can break down some of those barriers that I think as a culture really we've built up. Um, and that these missionaries that we talk so often of have done so 
gracefully yeah. and so awesome. So we're excited. Like, this is just a fun chapter yeah. to study and learning from them how to do missionary work. So here's the mission call. Alma 17, verse 5. Ammon says, or I guess Mormon says in narrating, Now these are the circumstances which attended them, meaning the sons of Mosiah, in their journeyings. For they had many afflictions. They did suffer much, both in body and mind, such as in hunger and thirst and fatigue, and also much labor and spirit. They had undertaken, this is verse 14, to preach the word of God to a wild and hardened and ferocious people, a people who delighted in the murdering of Nephites. Imagine that as your mission call. You open it up and it says, <laughs> you are hereby called to serve as a missionary. You're assigned to labor among a hardened and ferocious and Nephite-killing nation. You're expected to labor for 14 years, and you're going to be spit upon and thrown in jail and bound and experience all manners of hardships, etc., etc. That's their mission call. And to top it off, they chose it. All of these sons of Mosiah are princes to a king who each one of them denies their inheritance to be king and instead chooses to serve this 14-year mission to Lamanites. And so that's the background. That's the context of the story. At the end, this is why the story is so powerful to us because uh, at the end of the story, this is chapter 23, they brought, in verse 5, thousands to the knowledge of the Lord. And then, starting in verse 8, it starts naming cities of Lamanites, whole cities of Lamanites that were converted. The land of Ishmael and Madonai and the people in Nephi and Shilom and Shemlon and Lemuel and Shimdalom and etc., etc., etc. So we have multiple thousands of Lamanites that are converted. You know their name. These are the anti-Nephi-Lehi's who bury their weapons. They're the fathers and mothers of the army of Helaman. They're this incredibly powerful and passionate converted missionary force that never falls away. And it comes because of the service of these sons of Mosiah. So what we want to do is this. We've broken up our study into three blocks. What the sons of Mosiah do to prepare for their missionary service how the sons of Mosiah find people to teach, and, of course, how they teach. And so what we've done is we've kind of wrote, written, um, if we can be so bold, three titles to additional Preach My Gospel chapters or to the members' version of Preach My Gospel or to the Nephites' version, whatever you want to call it. And we want to walk through those three chapters and just glance at a couple of things that we found. Of course, you'll find more in your own study. In fact, one of the lines that I loved from these chapters, chapter 24, verse 27, thus we see that the Lord worketh in many ways to the salvation of his people. Um, we're going to give a few ideas that we found, but I think these, these chapters really become powerful when you are studying and looking for them and applying them to, to you and what your missionary service can be in whatever way that is. I think that's why this study was so fun for us to mm -hmm. really look and think and and how it applies to us, and that there are many ways to do this work. Okay, chapter one, how to prepare to teach the gospel. Um, there's this phrase in chapter 17, verse two, Alma meets up with the sons of Mosiah. They have this great rejoicing. They haven't seen each other for 14 years. And Mormon, who's narrating, just points out that these sons of Mosiah had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth. So chapter one, we've titled Wax Strong. What can you do now to prepare for those moments in which God will place you next week or next month or next year to preach or to teach the gospel? 
And there's this great list, right? Verses two through three, they pray and they fast and they study, that they search the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. They get the word and this passion inside of them first before they undertake to teach someone else. And I think a lot of times we invert that, right? We know that we should teach the gospel or we know that we should be missionaries or remember missionaries or share it with neighbors or whatever it is. And so we start setting up the hows. How am I going to do it? I'm gonna invite them over for dinner. I'm gonna do it this way. Before we actually pause and think, wait a minute, what is it that I'm going to talk about? I heard a mission president uh, here in Salt Lake once say, if you wanna motivate members to share the gospel, don't have a sacrament meeting devoted to missionary work. Have a sacrament meeting devoted to the Savior. And as people get excited about and passionate about their relationship with the Savior, they'll more naturally want to talk about it and teach it to other people. You know, and I love their preparation further down here in verse 9. Um, you know, again, they fasted much, they prayed much, and we talk a lot about that. But what are they fasting for? That the Lord would grant unto them a portion of His Spirit to go with them, and abide with them, that they might be an instrument in the hands of God. So not only were they fasting and praying, maybe sometimes we read that and think they were fasting and praying for to get lots of converts mm. or to find people, but instead they were fasting and praying to know how God would use them. I love that word instrument, that they could be an instrument in the hands of God to bring, if it were possible, their brethren, the Lamanites, to the knowledge of the truth. Here they were just simply asking him, and how powerful is that? If we do that on our own and say, here are my talents, here are my offerings, um, will you help me to see how I can use that, Lord, so that you, so that I can be an instrument in your hands and find people that you need? So it's kind of combining both of those verses. If I want to prepare for that moment when God is going to use me, I have to sharpen or prepare my instrument. I have to wax strong in the knowledge of the truth and in my testimony, my relationship with the Savior. And then ask God how he wants me to use that preparation, where he wants me to use it, and how he wants me to use it. And if we do that, God puts people in our path. He helps us to meet people that we can serve and talk to and share. Yeah, with. that idea of working on yourself first so that you're hmm. you're prepared to either receive someone or maybe to just say a kind word or do however that looks for you. But I like that. That puts a really personal spin on on how to do missionary work. Like we said, there's no, there are many ways in which the Lord works and you are one of those ways. You can be one of those ways. In fact, that's your favorite missionary talk, right? President Iring, a child and a disciple, where he talks about. Yeah, a child and a disciple, Elder Iring. It was probably like, what, 2008 or so? Maybe before I think. that, yeah. Um, and he just talks about how as you, as you let the gospel really just be a part of you, the, the walls of missionary work, quote unquote missionary work, are broken down because it's just a part of who you are. It becomes something that you talk about naturally and things get brought up in conversation because it's just so ingrained in who you are. And there you go, getting rid of all of the pretenses, all of the guilt feelings, because you're the one being converted through your pe preparation. It's a lot less awkward to share the gospel when it's something that you're naturally passionate about and you just talk about it with everybody. And I think we'll get to more, some of these other points touch on that, that yeah. will maybe help. Maybe you're still feeling a little, ah, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But I think some of these other things, the finding and teaching things that we're going to talk about, I mean, we'll circle back to that because I think this, this is an important, important point. Chapter two, how to find people to teach. Uh, this chapter is two. chapter two. <laughs> 
chapter two in Zach's pretend in, book in that he's writing. Book. I uh, just didn't want them to get confused that we were in Alma chapter two. No, yes. Chapter so. two, chapter Alma chapter 17, chapter two, where we're about chapter 17, where we're going to talk about a little <laughs> bit of 18 and chapter 20 in our chapter two. Yeah, there you go. In chapter, yeah. This is the famous part of the story. <laughs> Alma or Ammon uh, goes, they go into the land of the Lamanites. There he's arrested and he's taken in front of King Lamoni. And when asked what he's doing there, I think it's it's interesting to notice what he doesn't say and what he does say. He does not say, well, I'm a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ. Or he doesn't say, I have a message to share with you. Or he doesn't say, would you like to come over to my house and play some games and then I'll spring the gospel on you. It's none of that. All he says to them is, in verse 25, I want to be your servant, perhaps until the day I die. And that's such a powerful statement that in two verses, Lamoni goes from wanting to arrest Nephi and perhaps kill him because he's a Nephite, not Nephi, Ammon, to wanting Ammon to marry his daughter. The very next verse, he wants to give his daughter to him and Ammon says, no, I really just want to be your servant. Just let me, I just want to serve. I just want to be helpful. And it's genuine and it's sincere. And so we're titling this chapter two, I will be thy servant. Well, you know, that that's really a question I have is... How do you get there? And maybe this will be something you could study on your own because it's kind of a question that came up in the end of our discussion together. But how how is it that he genuinely, I mean, we're talking 14 years. This isn't like an 18-month, two-year thing of like, I'm going to love these people so much. This is this is really a love that he, he doesn't, he has, there's nothing behind this. And I think that's something... You know, we all want to feel that yeah. way, but sometimes we don't. And I'm thinking right now, I don't. You're getting your scriptures out. You might have an answer for this one. Well, or at least a discussion. Two thoughts point. I have is one, I'm wondering if that's what their prayer and fasting was about. Mm, when they yeah. announce, Alma, Ammon will say this in chapter 26, when they announce back in Zarahemla that they want to go preach to the Lamanites, they are laughed at and scoffed at by other Nephites, saying there is no way you're going to convert Lamanites. That's the most ridiculous idea ever. And I'm wondering if a lot of their fasting and prayer was oh, that their hearts would feel. be filled with genuine, sincere love for these Lamanites. And the hint, cool. the hint I have at that is this is a little bit later in chapter 20. After Lamoni's conversion, Ammon and Lamoni are traveling to go and free Ammon's brothers from prison. And as they're traveling, they meet Lamoni's father, who is king of all of the Lamanites. And we may circle back to this chapter in our next episode. But in that exchange, Lamoni's father's furious that Lamoni is spending time with a Lamanite. He commands Lamoni to kill ne to kill Ammon. And when Lamoni refuses, he pulls out his sword and tries to kill Ammon. And Ammon does what Ammon does. He smites his arm. And, and so then the king gets angry and he turns his sword against his own son, Lamoni, and tries to kill him. And Ammon stops him, knocks him to the ground. And then this, this is verse 26. The king kind of grovels for his life. And Ammon tells him, um, you can't hurt your son. You can't, I forbid you to hurt your son. And this is verse 26. When the king saw that Ammon had no desire to destroy him, and when he also saw the great love he had for his son Lamoni, he was astonished exceedingly. Now this is a king that's seen a lot and his arm just got hit. And he's astonished at the love that this Nephite has for his Lamanite son. And that's when he says to him, Will you come teach me? Whatever it is that you're feeling has now caught me on fire and I want you to teach me. And so how does Ammon or how do his brethren find people to teach? 
They just love people. And because they love people, because it's so sincere and it's so consuming, they can't help but find people that want to listen to them. And I really like to think of that they had to work for that a little bit mm-hmm. um, because these are their enemies that they are wanting to go preach amongst. And here they are among, amongst, among, what's the word? Yep, both of those. I don't know. We're talking scriptures. You can say amongst, I guess, but I wouldn't. Anyway, um, <laughs> I really like that because isn't that's probably something we all struggle with is that God, maybe the idea of don't struggle as much as maybe just really ask God. He really can give us that genuine love when we are praying and working with him to receive that love. Because I love later on, I think this is another good example of that love having going further even because it's when, um, Aaron. Yeah. When Aaron is goes to back to that King later on to preach amongst, uh, among his other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And here he is saying, I remember Ammon, and if you're Ammon's friend, then you must be good, and so I'm going to let you into these mm. people. And there it is again, that love that just grows. Yeah. His his reputation was already there, and he said, I know you, and I can trust you because of that. Yeah. In the famous uh, missionary section of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 4, there's a whole list of things that missionaries need in order to be successful, but the thing that's mentioned twice is charity, love for other people. Mm. Chapter three, how do you teach the gospel? There's so much on this. Ammon and his brethren are good subjects to study if you're curious about what to teach and how to teach. And so we point out maybe just a couple. And we title this chapter, this is chapter 18, verse 22. I love this line about Ammon, that Ammon was wise yet harmless. And so we want to, I don't know, highlight a couple of wise things that Ammon does that help him or enable him to teach. Wise yet harmless. No better way than what what we see them doing here is that they're opening up the scriptures. We see in verse, um, this is in chapter 21, verse 9. Now Aaron began to open the scriptures unto them concerning Christ. So the first thing he does is, kind of, I feel like it's that equalizer. Like, let's open the scriptures together because this is where we're, we have this common link. Mm-hmm. And we here's Christ too. I'm going to teach you the scripture. I'm going to teach you about Christ from the scriptures. And then again in Alma 22, Aaron saw that the king would believe his words. And so he began from the creation of Adam, reading the scriptures unto the king. And in verse 13, Aaron did expound unto him the scriptures and laid out the creation and laid out how things were. And so he he saw that the king was ready and he started with the scriptures. No better way to start, right? You're not trying to convince someone from your own wisdom, but Mm -hmm. from God's wisdom. He's using that very, the very wisest that there is. In fact, it feels like that's when it gets awkward and somewhat judgmental if these are my ideas or my philosophies that I'm trying to teach you, as opposed to this is something that I have learned from God that's made a difference for me that I want to share to you. There's a very different feeling between those, those two. Here's a lesson I want to teach you, or here's a lesson that I've learned from God that makes a difference in my life. The part that I liked, in fact, I know that we both liked because we talked a lot about this, is when Ammon goes to teach the king, the way that he does it is very flexible. Um, He asks the king, do you believe, this is verse 26, in a great spirit? Now that phrase, great spirit, is not a Nephite phrase, that's a Lamanite phrase. 
Ammon knows that phrase because he's been living and serving amongst the Lamanites, so he understands their language. He doesn't ask him, do you believe in God or do you believe in Christ? He just says, do you believe in a great spirit? And the king says, yes, I do. And then Ammon explains that great spirit, what you call the great spirit is what we call God, but we're talking about the same thing. So he uses common language and common ground and builds on those commonalities in order to teach uh, greater truths that he that he believes in or that has made a difference to him. He doesn't start with the differences. And I think all too often when we try and teach other people, and this is maybe a cultural habit of Mormons, but we tend to start with the differences. Let me tell you what's different about our church than your church. Let me tell you how my church is better than your church. We have the priesthood and we have the keys and the great apostasy and we have restoration and the prophets and all of those are wonderful, but extremely offensive if that's the way you start to share the gospel. Let me tell you how I'm better than you. Instead, what if we started with the things that we believe together, the things that we share, our shared love for God or our shared love for Christ or even our shared love for good values and happy families? Because if we can build that foundation, maybe on top of that, we can add things that we know and believe in that could make a difference for someone else. In fact, I like it was it says this a few times throughout these chapters that they would go and teach in their synagogues and in their places. And granted, they all, weren't always successful with this in these places, but um, I think that shows that they were willing to feel comfortable in other religions or in their languages. They were well-versed in knowing what these people already believed. And I think that's a good representation. At least that's what I'm choosing to interpret it as, is that they were feeling comfortable in preaching and kind of conversing in their, in their faith language and places. So to summarize our chapter on preparing would call we would call wax strong and it would be all about how you prepare yourself uh, to be an instrument in the hands of god our chapter on finding we would call i will be thy servant and in that chapter it's all about loving and serving others so that they can sense your sincerity and come to you rather than you having to go to them sometimes our chapter on teaching we would call wise yet harmless and it would be because of that love you would desire to build on common ground and shared beliefs. If I can share my own experience, I love at the end of chapter 26 this simple statement of truth that Ammon makes. Now, my brethren, we see that God is mindful of every people, whatsoever land they may be in. I have felt that about myself. I've shared, I think, on previous episodes um, that I didn't grow up um, active LDS. I had a great home and a, and a set of really believing and faithful parents. But as far as going to church, that was definitely not our strong point. Now, I got baptized a little bit later, and so I met with formal missionaries who taught me the lessons and led me to baptism. I don't remember their names. I saw a picture of them recently uh, going through old slides and recognized their faces, but I don't remember a whole lot about them, if anything. Who I do remember, though, I was brought back to the church by multiple Ammons in my life. My young men's president, Brother Delaney, was my home teaching companion, just a humble, honest man that took me home teaching with him. And in home teaching with Brother Delaney, I learned to love other people, I learned to care about them, and I learned to serve. My One of my best friends in my neighborhood, Lex Little, uh, brought me to church. He bugged me about it every single Friday in school, told me he was going to pick me up. One Sunday, he actually did arrive at my house early in the morning, uh, 
told me I had five minutes to get ready for church. And then he kind of hijacked me and took me to church. What's interesting to me about this is I actually met Lex a couple of years ago and I walked up to him and I said, thank you. Thank you so much for what you did because of you. I went on a mission and I teach seminary now and I'm married in the temple and all of that. And his response to me was, I didn't do any of that. You were always a member of the church. He had no idea. He, he didn't remember doing any of that because it wasn't something he was consciously trying to do. It was just something that he was. He was filled with love, love for me as his friend, and love for the church and love for the gospel that he just naturally did something. I wasn't on a list of his. I wasn't a project. I wasn't an assignment. Lex just loved me and brought me to church. Lex was my Ammon. Brother Delaney was my Ammon. And so I'm really grateful for people that serve and love and teach like Ammon. Thank you for studying with us in these chapters from Alma, these exciting missionary chapters. Next week, join us with um, our part two of this episode of, of these chapters. Join us next week with part two of these chapters where we're going to be talking about the convert side of and what the converts did and how they reacted and all of those exciting things. And we'll catch you next week. You can find us on Instagram at the Scripture Study Project where we post more about our episodes, um, some, some other insights, and share some tips. We'd love to connect with you there as well. So thank you, and we will see you next episode.